0: Welcome to Stat, I'm telling you all medical true crime stories, and it gets bizarre. Karen Wickiam, yeah, she used to work in the R. And now she's sharing the knowledge, so let's get involved. Hey, funny and scary at the same time. Medical mysteries, all facts, she ain't lying. <laughs> so tune in to Stat if you dare, cause crazy things can happen anytime, anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Hello, 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 everybody out there in Podcast Land. Welcome to Stat, shocking traumas and treatments. I I tripped over that a bit. (laughs) Coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Kennedy. Hi, this is Karen, your friendly neighborhood, Karen.
1: And this is Mary, your friendly neighborhood, Mary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you don't have a a shitty connotation uh, attached to your name. Everybody thinks of Mary, they think like, oh, Mary, she was the mother of Jesus. And... (laughs) mary she had a little lamb oh i see you know so no one goes oh god there's a fucking mary asking for the manager again (laughs) right it's so unfair to you ah it's just a name right but it it is is, i think it's funny i do do. okay so today we're going to talk about gwendolyn graham and kathy wood two nurses aides that murdered patients at alpine manor now I think it's been presented that it's two women that kill people in the throes of passion. Like, you know, um, they get off on it. Okay? And that is true to a certain extent. But I see this as a woman that manipulated other women. And gaslit them and used and abused these women, literally. And her psychopathy just spun out of control. And it led to this. And she was able, and I'm talking about Kathy Wood here. And she drew Gwendolyn Graham into this. And no, and in no way is Gwendolyn Graham... Innocent, but as you're about to hear, she was able to draw her in. And if they, the two had not met, I don't believe Gwendolyn Graham would have committed these murders. Yeah, and you've been uh,
1: reading and researching this for a couple months now. Yeah, and uh, I think uh,
0: you've got a pretty good
1: handle on it. So,
0: so Kathy Wood and Gwendolyn Graham together murdered at least five elderly patients at Alpine Manor. And I want to start the story with Kathy Wood, the mastermind behind all this, like I said, and I'm going to start around the time where she married her husband or met her husband. Okay. So she met her husband, Ken through Ken's younger brother, Terry. So it was almost like a a chance meeting because she was interested in Terry and called up and it was Ken that answered the phone. And they ended up talking for hours and hours. They continued to call each other, talk forever and decided that they wanted to meet. So for the first meeting, he said he would go pick her up. She met him down the block from where she lived because she didn't want him to know where she lived. It didn't want her parents to, uh, to know all the, all about him because she was only 17 years old at the time and he was 20 years old. So even though it's a three year difference at that age, it's it's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. The younger you are, a three year, five year age gap is big. Um, So he went to pick her up and waited in the spot and saw someone in a, a hooded jacket facing away and didn't realize it was her she was a big lady and he thought she was a, a guy so when she turned around and walked towards him like she he had no idea that she was like six feet tall and almost the same size as him she was built like they say is like a brick shit house, big strong she had some extra weight on women so he was like whoa i he wasn't expecting that but he didn't care. So they met and they developed a relationship and almost immediately she started telling him lies about her family, about how she was a victim of abuse of her family. And there is no indication that this actually happened. And she was like a chronic liar and she kept telling these stories as time went along, not just to him, but to every, anybody that would listen to it. And it was one of the tools that she used to suck people in. So her parents, her dad drove a forklift at a food warehouse and her mom was a bookkeeper. They lived in Comstock Park in Michigan. And she had a younger sister and brother, which you don't hear that much about. Eventually, Ken met Kathy's parents and the mother, Pat, did all the talking and she set it out straight how this relationship was going to play out if he wanted to continue seeing her. And he talked about um, that expectations. He can't drink. They can't um, sort of be alone together outside of a public space um you know all your your values so sort of yeah very kind of strict christian yeah exactly ish so he was like all right all right fair enough and at the time he had his own apartment and they spent most of their time at his apartment so you know that kind of he listened and she listened but they had no intention of, of following that stuff kathy started testing him early on she was manipulative and she was always putting him on the spot, trying to trip him up with the things he'd say. So even like, um, what, what did you do today, Ken? Well, I went to work. Well, are there women that, that work uh, there? Do, they, do you check them out? Do they check you out? You know, that kind of stuff. And um, she'd say stuff like, you love me, but you don't really like me, do you? Like, how, how do you answer that? You know, she, he could say, of course I do. And then she would say, well, this and that and whatever, you know. And he'd be like, no, no, no. And th- th- he couldn't win with whatever he yeah. said. So just like constant said, Did
1: you tell me she sent like a friend to try to seduce him or well, something? Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: <laughs> so she played mind games with him. Gotcha. And this, this is exactly the next thing I was going to say. So that was a perfect segue. She would have her friends call him anonymously to get him to, you know, like see if he would cheat on her. So they'd be like, hi, Ken, Um, you're cute. Do you want to meet up? And he'd be like, who are you? And no. So everything she tried with him, but he he knew it was her friends. So is that not like a a red herring? Is that the red herring? (laughs) No.
1: Red flag. No, red flag. (laughs) To me, that would be a huge red flag.
0: (laughs) Like, you know, and it's so juvenile. So mind you, she is 17 years old, but still... Uh, at 17 there's a lot of 17 year olds that don't um, won't do that so it just shows how manipulative and possessive she was so can assumed assume that she had never been loved by her parents or anyone for that matter because of the story that she told him it was like poor Kathy no one's ever loved her and this is why she acts this way and and she demanded like unconditional love from him and you'll see how bad it gets. She said her mother did not love her and her father was a Vietnam vet and he didn't love her and he beat her and he was an alcoholic. This just wasn't true. Um, she said she raised her brother and sister, but it was never enough for her parents. And this was not true. You know, they were home every night. They, the parents raised their kids. They both had solid jobs and her father didn't do those things. And and that the, because they were so cold and uncaring she just you know she was a victim and you know all that all that stuff so she she asked ken who he put number 1 in his life and he said god and she got really pissed off she's like how can you love god more than me you know and he was he wasn't like a super religious guy but he was you know god fearing so to speak and right. so you know if you oh
1: yeah no i i get what you're saying like if if you were i mean we're both kind of spiritual people but if if that was your upbringing and stuff like of course you that, would expect that. that right? that's
0: what you would be taught god exactly. first right especially you know christians are, are very well in my experience christians whatever the fact is the next is usually family so <coughs> Right. <laughs> Which you would
1: consider your wife to be, I would be. Yeah.
0: So, um, another thing is that he loved basketball. And if he wanted to go to a game or watch it, she'd like, you love basketball more than me. Oh, God. And he would get tickets to go see, you know, games and be really excited about it. And he wouldn't go because she was so brutal about it. Mm. Like, how do you, how do you, again... Another red flag. He's religious and... He loves basketball. That sounds pretty all-American to me. And you know, what, what do you say? Now he's like expected to give up his love of sports, and how dare he? You know, have a love greater than hers. Um, so he still went to a game, and she decided she'd never she didn't see him or talk to him for a week.
1: Yeah. Okay. Was she, how old was she at that time? Was she still a teenager? Oh
0: yeah. She was like 18 at this time. Okay. So she said to him like to, um, justify the thing she did. She said that, oh, my parents wouldn't let me see you because they think you're a drug addict. Now one. What? Yeah. So for him, right off the bat, he said to her, if you do drugs, that's it. He absolutely hated drugs. So she took it and turned it around, and and he like she knew this would get under her skin. So this is this is how this played out. She said, um, her dad forced her to go to school and buy drugs for him. Okay, <laughs> and <laughs> so Cause she because
1: he's a drug addicted alcoholic Vietnam yeah, vet so he's who like, beats her. Uh,
0: go to school, find a dealer. Get me some weed and yeah, that that's, you have to do that. So Ken's like, that son of a bitch. How could he do that to her? So you can see he's, he's, he's pretty naive, but he's a good guy. Right. I mean, oh, and this is why she got away with so much. So for her, it's like, all right, um, I'm going to just see how far I can take this. So He was like, oh, she's in such an abusive situation. And he asked her to move in with him. And she did within a couple of days. She also revealed to him that she was pregnant. So he was surprised by this, but not unhappy. But to go from dating to moving in to being pregnant, that's that's a lot to take in. So she carried on with more of her her lies to him she told him that she was being stalked and would wake him up in the middle of the night to test him. And he would go pick her up because he was worried about her safety, but she wasn't being stalked. She also told Ken when they first got together that she was a virgin and he was also a virgin. So for him, for them to be both virgins coming together, it was just, you know, another perfect situation. Um, and this was not true. She had dated before and she had been, now this is going to sound weird, but she was in a relationship when she was 14 to 15 years old with a girl named Debbie who dressed like a guy and liked to be called David. It's not weird, but it just adds some strangeness to the the whole situation. So I'm going to refer from now on as Debbie, David. So Debbie, David. Want, okay. So you understand, but this is
1: but Before, I mean, obviously now it's quite common, more common for people to be
0: transgendered and very open
1: about it. So, but back then in a small town.
0: Yeah, this was in uh, the 80s in a a small town. So Kathy admitted to having sex with David and Kathy's mother, Pat, found out and threatened Debbie David within an inch of uh, his life, her life. And this all was true. But the fact is, When they were together, they did some pretty terrible things. She was always into cliques. She had to be the the leader of of a gang of friends or a bunch of friends. And if you wanted to be in her group of friends, she said that you had to do uh, sexual things. And she would demand them to do, I don't know what exactly, but it was sexual in nature. And then they would do that, and she would, they would be part of the the group.
1: All right, so it's like prove your loyalty by doing this. Yeah, thing, I mean, it was.
0: that's pretty sick. You know, that's that's twisted. You so want to be in our group? You got very to be manipulative again, right? right? So, and another thing about her, um, just quick, when she was eight, she was caught um, asking little kids to pull their pants down, and. You know, it was very weird the stuff that she was doing to younger children.
1: She was eight, and she was asking this of younger children. Younger children.
0: Okay. So you know, that's well, that's you big know, little red kids flag will, will play doctor sometimes. They're curious, but right. getting into show that, me yours. I'll show you mine. Yeah, but I think getting into that age, and then forcing younger children to do that shows that she had some serious shit going on early on. So she tried to make herself out to be the victim, that she was manipulated by Debbie Dave, thinking that he was Dave and not Debbie. Oh, right. But so she fact, yeah. didn't
1: know that he was yeah. a she. Yeah, but yeah, she, yeah. She, she knew a, tra- that. a trans man.
0: But she knew it all along. There, there's no, no truth to that at all. Just another so, lie. <laughs> yeah. And so Kathy convinced Ken that she had been victimized her whole life. And that she had never felt love. The same theme here. And that she's been used and abused by everybody. And now she lost her virginity to, you know, one of those sinful, cross-dressing, you know, gay people. So after he found out she was pregnant, he's like, well, we need to get married. So she's like, all right, sounds good. And I don't know the exact date. I I tried to find out, but I believe it was in 1980 that they got married. And... It was a small ceremony and after he didn't like her parents and after that he liked them even less and they he felt that they were cheap and cold they you know he just it was like at the wedding father's like here's 50 bucks buy all the booze keep the change and then afterwards he's like I want the booze and the change (laughs) but I mean that doesn't really make someone a bad person it just makes them you know I don't know irritating well,
1: it sounds like she pitted them against each other, too, right? Exactly. Some misinformation.
0: So, exactly. So, continue on with this, this like I said, this theme of, like, see? See, they're horrible, aren't they? But now she is in the perfect situation. She's got this guy under her thumb. Now she's married. And now they have a child on the way. But, strangely enough, within days of getting married, she's like, oh, I miss my family i I, need, I I have to go see them so she would go visit them two three days out of the week and stay over so these horrible people she still had to go back and, and see them so again no, no evidence you know I, you can say all right so, so an abused person is you know drawn into that but it, you know it was uh it was it was not that at all
1: and who knows what she was telling them when she was there? Like, why, exactly. why was she there when she just got married? Oh, yeah, he's a jerk, whatever. Exactly. You know. Who knows?
0: So they were living in his apartment at the time, and she convinced him to move into a house that was across the street from her parents' house. And this house was owned by her parents. It was their um, her grandmother. She died. She left it to them, and the parents would rent it out. So they're like, oh, no, no, you move in. So again... She wanted to live across the street from them, be close to them, all that type of stuff. And he's like, "Uh, I don't know if I like this, but okay, we'll do it.
1: Yeah, maybe he thought that somehow that would, you know, mend fences or something. Yeah. Who knows?
0: Yeah, and and once they moved in, she was barely home. She was always out at her friend's or at her parents' place. So here they're a married couple, and now she's continuing to act like, well, I mean, she was 18, and... You know, but still, she continued to act like they weren't married and weren't living together. She just was everywhere. And she was pregnant at the time at all hours of the night. And he's like, what the hell? You should, you should, we, we're a family now. We're married. And he had no privacy. People were always, when she was Some people were coming and going out of the house all the time. And she would tell them lies about Ken. And he's like, you know, what the fuck? This is brutal. So he said, that's it. We're moving. And a couple of weeks after Kathy gave birth to their daughter, he moved them about 15 miles away into a nice two bedroom house in the southeast of Comstock. So finally, they were away from all of that. And now she had her baby. This is horrible because she turned out and not surprising to be a horrible mother. So no evidence that her parents were like this. But then she turns it out to be like an absolute horrible mother. Um, and she she was a slob. She barely paid any attention to her baby. All she did was read, eat, and she had put on weight to the point that she weighed 400 pounds within two years. Now, this isn't against uh, people having excess weight. I definitely have it. But this is because she was just did nothing and wanted to be weighted on hand and foot. Now... I just want to go back a little bit and give you an example of how much of a horrible mother she was. So her daughter's name was Jamie or is Jamie. When she was 13 months old, they went to a Detroit uh, Tigers game and there was a ball, fly ball hit to the stands and it was coming towards them. She picked up her baby and put it her up to shield her from getting hit by a ball to shield Kathy from being hit by a ball. So she used her child as a shield, not caring that this ball coming in at whatever could kill her baby, harm her baby. And Kim was like, what the hell? And then he just went, well, she's young and, you know, she's inexperienced. So
1: <clears throat> I would hold the baby to me or turn around or something like.
0: Well, I- any normal person would protect their child, not this maniac one would think yeah
1: i mean i've seen people like i saw this one brother guy like had a beer in one hand a baby in the other and he like let go of the baby caught the ball and then caught the baby again didn't spill his beer and i was like
0: uh, that that is bad i know that's that, bad that's, but it, but just goes to show you like some people just don't get it some people are terrible parents um and kathy was always fighting with her daughter she didn't see her as her daughter she saw her as her enemy she hated her daughter. She didn't get it. Uh, she, well, I don't mean she didn't get it. She just, she hated her daughter and she saw her as competition. So she would say to her husband, Jamie's trying to undermine my authority. And, um. <laughs> what? She, uh, she was like six 13, how? <laughs> At this time she was six years old. And then she would say to Ken, you're not punishing her enough. And she's doing things to purposely upset me. And she thinks that she's the boss. And it's like. She's six years old. Exactly. Well, I mean, there are some six year olds that think they're the boss, but. And then Ken would say exactly that. She's six. She's not doing those things. Yes, kids can um, push the limits because they're, they're learning, they're testing, all that kind of stuff. But they're not going, all right, bitch, who's the boss here? I'm boss, the boss baby. How boss baby. Yeah, boss can baby. Undermine mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She saw it as a battle of dominance and submission. And they fought every day. She's your child. I know. And it sounds like this is like a friend, you know, or or a sibling that she's talking about. But uh, and she would say, she's disobedient. And she's, she makes me nervous. And she doesn't show respect. And what do you mean she makes you nervous? It's just, she's getting back to that victimized thing. She would stand behind Ken. So Ken would finally go, okay, what, what's going on here? And he would, you know, talk to the little girl. She would stand behind him. And she'd be like pointing at her daughter, you know, making... Yeah, uh, and, and and making like ha 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 faces, laughing faces and you making it look like you're going to be hit, making, you know, hand motions like he's going to kick the shit out of her. And the little girl would just stare at him and, and cry, terrified that he was going to hold her. So you see this woman standing behind going, ha ha, na 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 boo boo, he's going to kick the shit out of you. And he'd look at her and go, what's wrong? No, don't don't cry. Don't cry. Let's it's OK. And so she would taunt her child behind him he had no idea what was going on and then he would soothe his child and say look it's it's all right see what kind of that's (laughs) fucked so obviously she had no mothering instincts she just cared only of herself she was a sociopath i say psychopath um and she obviously she treated jamie like she was a burden and she clearly didn't like her child and if she would become sick with a flu or the cold kathy would be like go get away from me I I don't want to get it. Go to your room. She wouldn't, you know, check her temperature or bring her some soup or popsicles and, and care for her. She was like, get away from me. Now, the thing about Kathy is that she was incredibly smart. So, like Mensa smart. She knew how to talk around people and mess with their head. She loved to play cards and board games. And she would win most of these games. First of all, she was ruthless and she would cheat and she would get in that person's face. Ha ha. You're a fucking idiot. I'm smarter than you. And if they made a bad move or whatever, she would like roar with laughter, pour it at them and then try to humiliate them. And I don't know why anybody would play a game with this woman because she was playing games with their head. So she would just, you know, try to, you know, get people under her thumb and, She also knew how to charm. And this goes with all the, you know, the criteria is that she was manipulative and charming and pretty much could get what she wanted. While they're in public, she would act like the perfect mother. And then behind closed doors, she was a monster. Of course. But they would be out as a family and Ken would think like, oh, well, this is how we can be. Maybe she's, you know, turned the corner. And, you know, Ken's starting to really piss me off at this point. Because is he really that naive? Because, all right, she might have been doing some shitty things to him. But now they have a child. And, you know, he has to protect the child at this point. The other thing that she would do, like in this charming manipulative thing, is she would, Ken would call her about the same time every day from work and she'd be like, oh, you're so sexy. Come home. I, you know, you're my lover and we're going to get it on and stuff like that. And he'd be like, okay, finish work, right, race home, expecting like, you know, some fun's going to happen. And she would just be like lying on the couch reading and like old crappy clothes. And he'd come in and be like, hi. And he, she'd be like, uh, don't bother me, I'm reading. So she never had any intention of it. She just loved playing mind games. And he'd be like, oh, Jesus. You know, but he didn't push or bother her about it. But, you know, this is how you you, you really mess with somebody. Um, and she was, like I said, she was a complete slob. Not only would he come home thinking on these days, all right. Every day he came home, the house was a mess. Just an absolute disaster. Dirty dishes in the sink, you know, um, toys everywhere. She would just leave things, you know, a dirty dish on the couch or, you know what I mean? Like So if you can imagine, he's coming home to this disaster and he'd say, look, why can't you just pick up? Why can't you do this? And she's like, oh, well, when I was a child, my parents made me do everything. So I just can't do it now. You know, I'm too traumatized to do it. So Ken would come home every night after work and completely clean the house. So all she had to do was pretty much make sure her child didn't get injured. Forget the mothering part, that that wasn't going to happen. She was still breathing. Yeah. And um, she even to a point, she had her her daughter waiting on her hand and foot. She'd be like, go get me a drink. Go get me some food. So this little kid's running around now taking care of the mother. And she was picking up after her um, because she saw her dad doing it. So she expected like, you know, this is what we do. So in 1984, he was at the end of his rope and working full time, running the household, taking care of the child. And his she was just, you know, horrible. So they separated for six months. In that time, miraculously she was able to keep the house immaculate and she put some effort into decorating and she organized the house and painted and put up nice curtains and stuff. So he's like, wow. Okay. I love her. Maybe we we can make this work. The day he returned, she went right back to it. Like she didn't even give it a couple days. (laughs) He walks to the door and she's like, all right, you're back. Like, (sighs) and of course he stayed. (sighs) So eventually she got a job at Alpine Manor and he was really excited about it. He's like, good. She's got a job. Um, She'll turn over a new leaf. We can have some more money because she was constantly spending money. She was spending it faster than he could make it. Nearing the time that she was working at Alpine Manor, she decided to go back to school for, to get her degree in business administration. And so he was excited. So she, now she was in school. Now she was working. Things were really looking in the right direction and she had two credits left to get her degree. And she's like, no, I'm quitting. He's like, what What are you doing? Why are you quitting? She's like, I want to be a nurse now. He's like, okay, think about this. Get your two credits. Become a nurse. Now you're a nurse with two degrees and one in business administration. You could be running a hospital one day. And she's like, no. And And he was used to her making, you know, snap decisions like this not following through or saying getting really excited about something and then getting all into it and then dropping it out of nowhere so he was really disappointed with that but you know at least so like she gets bored easily yeah
1: things are it's like not enough of a challenge or something for her
0: yeah and she doesn't care how it affects anybody else so anyway so now she's starting at alpine manor and now we're gonna see how things start to get really out of control now i know that i've gone on about kathy quite a bit and this may be well when are you going to get to what she did but there's a reason in why i'm talking about this woman because what she did was so diabolical and i wanted i want you guys to see the slide or the slip or the journey into how depraved she gets
1: Well, it's a pattern of behavior that you see in her life with her, I guess, loved one's family and stuff. And then you see how she continues it on.
0: And And she gets this this man who loves her. You know, he's a virgin when they marry. He has morals and ethics. They have a child together. He works hard. And she's able just to like wrap him around her finger. So she's like, well, if I can do this, I can do more. So things changed dramatically after getting into Alpine Manor. And like I said, he was happy. Okay, she's uh, at work. She's making money. And she started to socialize. She wasn't just going to be sitting on the couch eating bonbons and reading all day. Um, So he bought her a new vehicle. It was this black truck and she called it her love truck. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> her love truck. Mary, if you bought me a car and I'm like, this is my love car wouldn't you be like well, wait a minute what, what do you mean about love car <laughs> oh nothing i love the car but seriously i mean another i'm just gonna call them red herrings because that that's that's how i my brain works but anyway <laughs> um and <laughs> right away she started her bullshit at alpine manor she there was a softball team there woman's softball team and he loves sports, so he's like, Oh, I'll coach it. And she's like, Well, I'll be the assistant coach. And while she was at work, she'd be she would manipulate it and say, Okay, if you're gonna act that way, you're not gonna be in the starting lineup. You like you like to pitch? No, nope, now you can be a fielder. Like how juvenile and ridiculous is this? So they'll be like, Okay, okay, Kathy, uh, you know, and not only that, this was even below a beer league. Because literally, they would be out with a glove in one hand and a beer in the other. You know, like they just, and whatever, there's nothing wrong with a beer league. But it was just, uh, he was just like, oh, God, whatever. But she took it as an opportunity to manipulate people. So by the time she started at Alpine Manor, she was 450 pounds. And that's a lot of weight to carry to do such a um, physical job. But she she ended up losing 150 pounds. So she went down to 300 pounds. So she was really, you know, at that time working hard and, you know, burning it off. That's good. And, but then again, he's like, Oh, this is fantastic. And she would come home and talk about the client patients and all that kind of stuff. And, but this morphed into shop talk and she would go on about the sexual escapades between staff and, you know, who was gay and who wasn't gay and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, well, wait a minute. Now what's going on? What, you know, but so, so it
1: came from, it was changed from like, just talking about things that are going on, how her day went to like,
0: she gets a love truck and now she's talking about sexual es- escapades and who's gay and <laughs> who's not gay. And that kind well, of stuff.
1: I mean like the, the you know, it's, different than talking about work and then you're talking about the people at work and gossiping about them and their their lives.
0: Like if you came home and started telling me about, Oh, well, you know, who's having sex with who and all this kind of stuff. I'd be like, wait a minute. How do you know this stuff? And why does it, you know, like who cares? Like, what does it matter? Um, So yeah, this is, this is what's going on with her. And he's not, he's not liking what he's seeing at this point. And unsurprisingly, she um was manipulating people at work and one in particular was a woman by the name of dawn male i don't know male and, yeah male, male like m a l e and like not male like the postman no tellers. no no and so she was a lesbian and she was 18 years old at the dawn time
1: male
0: m a okay She was 18 years old in 1986, and she had had a rough life. She had this punk rock image. She had lived with her grandmother. Her parents didn't want her. She couldn't finish high school. Um, She was an alcoholic. She was in and out of jail. And it was a well-known thing that she just absolutely hated men. So when she met Kathy, she fell in love with Kathy almost immediately. You know, Kathy's like, okay, got another one to manipulate. So she had met Kathy on a night uh, shift, and she charmed her right away. She thought that she was smart, caring, sexy, fun, pleasant, sweet, polite, pretty much everything that she was not. And she said that she thought that she was, that Kathy was the most intelligent person she had ever met. And I don't doubt that. But you see, there's all these things that uh, are getting her in. So she would speak in a gravelly voice to her, and she'd say, ooh, I like that. Like she... It's just so cringy. And Dawn would be like, oh, my God, isn't she sexy? So soon they were inseparable. And she was starting her little clique there. And Dawn said that being friends with Kathy made you feel special, like you were one of the popular kids in high school, and she picked you. And one of the things Kathy would say to people is, oh, you're so cute. Like (laughs) people be like, oh, She's giving me the vapors, you know. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so people got da- uh, dazzled by that. She was charismatic and she knew how to flatter people. And through that, she was manipulating them. Initially, her tall stature and size intimidated people, but she used it to her advantage. She also had, quote, something about her. And anyone who met her, like through there said it was true. There was this something that drew them to her. She had green eyes that would sparkle and draw a person in. This is the things that some of the things people said, and she sometimes will look almost coquettish and shy. And at the same time, she was also described as graceful. When Kathy called Don cute um, and was invited to her inner circle, Don was like, Oh my God, this is, this is more than I could ever ask for. Um, but she again she she was manipulating her from day one
1: well i mean that's you know finally somewhere she fits in she's feeling you know like part of a group yeah. this young woman who's you know had a, had a bit of a rough life
0: yeah exactly and up right away she does what she did she was pulling on dawn's heartstrings garnering sympathy and a feeling of wanting to protect her again you know, her, now her stories, instead of just her parents, was that Ken was abusive. And that he ruined her life. Of course. <laughs> and that he made her feel like a bad mother. And, you know, but she was also, you know, horribly abused as a child. And she, he would, like, make her not want to leave her room. Like, she was, you know, stuck having to live in her bedroom by herself because he was so horrible to her. So, Don fell for that. Hook, line, and sinker. I was just about to say that hook, line, and sinker. Which... Yep, she got him. She got. She had her. So as she's got this little, you know, click going on, this little, you know, oh my god, she just ridiculous, you know, childish. Oh, well, it's high schoolish. Right? Yeah, exactly. Going on, she's got a woman falling in love with her. She's like, oh, right.
1: How old is she at this point now?
0: Uh, she's um so she... in her twenties. Okay, uh, early twenties. Yeah, because her daughter is what six. Yeah, or
1: getting going on yeah seven
0: so obviously their marriage wasn't going well and he said you know let's go to marriage counseling let's sort this out and she's like nope so he went on his own and the reverend said look why don't you try to forgive her and also ask for forgiveness so he's like oh okay so he tried doing that and of course it backfired you know it just was more fuel for the fire so for her to say oh you're apologizing see yeah you're doing all this horrible stuff and he's like gritting teeth i'm going to forgive her <laughs> like i which is which is bad because he's been letting her get away with this shit all along she's been walking all around him all all over him so after their 7th anniversary he just felt this was as hopeless as it's ever been and her she had mood swings that were even worse She had a volatile relationship with her mother that would go in extremes of, you know, loving each other and hating each other. And she would say weird, cryptic things to Ken. Like, she'd say, Ken, I'm very bad. You just don't know how very bad I am. And he'd say, why? And she'd say, I just am. You just don't know. Or, I'm a terrible person. I'm a very dirty person. So, now she's saying these things to him and he's like, Okay, what what's going on here? And she also told him that she said, quote, she told him that there was no God or devil, just her. <laughs> the all omnipotent Kathy Wood. Oh, my goodness. When she talked like that, he said she would become very still and her pupils would be fixed and her eyes would gloss over and almost look black. And she'd have a blank expression with no emotion be like i'm out of here i'm creeped out i'm leaving yeah it scared the hell out of him grab my daughter and go (laughs) so in october she told ken what she wanted to get him for his birthday and he's like oh okay awesome and she's like i'm gonna get you a threesome what <laughs> yeah and he's like no no because he's just he's not that guy he's like, i don't want a threesome
1: not power tool and she's new like lawnmower yeah yeah
0: yeah exactly she's like i'm gonna give you a threesome and sometimes it's the person saying can i have a threesome for my party but she's like i'm getting you one which is you know well and if he'd never
1: talked about it before he'd probably be like what when did i ever say i wanted that yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um and she's like okay well maybe you can just watch me in another woman. He's like, no, 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 I I don't want that. So clearly she's had an attraction towards women for a long time. And maybe she, you know, being, maybe she was bisexual. I don't know. But she, she has had an attraction to women and they didn't have much of a sex life anyway. Like they, they barely had sex. So I don't know if that was, she didn't want to, or she was playing head games with them, or she was just not attracted to men. But, um, So, all of a sudden, she's like, let's have a threesome. And so, again, he was really uncomfortable with this. And, you know, where did did that come from?
1: Yeah. And if he's, you know, if if he's kind of a Christian, God-loving, God-fearing kind of guy, I don't think that would be, you know...
0: At the top of his birthday list. Sometimes I don't think that matters because we know some, you know, religious know, people it, can be the, from the what, worst kind of hypocrites. But I know what you're but saying. From when you've told, you sort yeah, of conveyed
1: yeah. about him, that wouldn't be, you know, his style.
0: Yeah. So she's like, okay, fine. How about if I take you to the Velvet Touch? <laughs> the name of it is hilarious. So it was an adult sex store, but they had peep shows in the back, and it was just a dirty hole. Like, okay, here's a sex store but can you imagine how gross and filthy this would be you can buy what you want and then you can go back and, and watch it or participate and it's just so brutal um, and you know what to each his own but I mean I just pictured this as he described it was just this dirty hole and he's like nope I am not going there and she lost it and she's like so pissed off at them and then she's like I'll go with my friends then and she did and he and she told him a couple weeks later and he's like, what the fuck? Uh, that's that's my, you know, version of it. He probably didn't say that. He probably was like, what the hell? And so also, too, she was spending more and more time with her friends. She wasn't at home. She wasn't raising her daughter. She wasn't cleaning, cooking. She was working and hanging out with her friends. And she was always talking about this woman named. Well, she was talking about Dawn a lot, but she was also talking about another woman by the name of Angie Brozek. And he had met her one time and thought she was OK because she he met them as a couple, her and her husband. And they played cards together and had some dinners together. But then all of a sudden she was just so it wasn't strange to him. But then she was talking about her in a much different way. um, And she started telling him even more strange things about Alpine Manor. And they were mostly about sex and relationships between staff. So it wasn't just like who who's was in each other's life. It was like now she was getting into the nitty gritty about what they were doing. And another thing that was absolutely true is that more than half the staff were gay there. So it was like, you know, known as like gay pine matter. (laughs) Not that it matters. Right. But still, um, you know, she loved this because this was like, okay, I got a situation here where I've got straight people i've got gay people i've got a whole load of people to mess with and all of this all of a sudden um she, you know she was she was talking about all, all this uh, all these people so he was like all right that's it i'm out no more of this and he left he and with his finally daughters. yeah for good yeah oh yeah oh, well kind of you'll see all right. so she <laughs> so he moved out and took his daughter with him and they moved into a motel just to get away from her until he could get a um, a place. And eventually he got a, a nice little um, house for him and his daughter. So finally he just was like, I got to put my daughter first. We need to get out of there. I need to, you know, have a, a decent, good life. Normal- normalcy? <laughs> yeah. And then once he left, she just got way worse um party central <laughs> yeah exactly her behaviors began uh, continue to deteriorate and her lives became even more bizarre and occurred daily so she was still talking to him every day and then she had all this she had her gang at work and she's um, talking to him but not her daughter yeah yeah exactly and just before he moved out she was attending many mandatory meetings so that's what he thought at first was like oh okay well Part of the reason why she's not home because they were, you know, she had to have these mandatory meetings, but you don't have a, a daily mandatory meeting. It's usually like once a month or once every couple months. And this is what she told him, And it's really disturbing. She said that they were investigating a rape of a patient. So as you can see, like her lies were now getting into like, you don't make shit up like that. Um. And so he was like, oh, that's awful. And... And sometimes she just didn't come home at all. She would just be gone for days. So that led to him moving out with, his, with their daughter. On Labor Day weekend, she told him that she wanted a divorce. And he's like, all right, that's fine. So the same day he left, he came back because there was no AC at this uh, hotel that they were staying at or a motel that they were staying at. So he wanted to grab a couple fans for them. And when he got there, All the lights were on in the house. But the car wasn't there. And then he saw that the love truck was parked under a street lamp um, just up the road, which is strange as well. And he saw Dawn lying with her head on Kathy's chest. And he's like, okay, what the hell? So then after that, she went into the house and he confronted her. And he saw that she had hickeys all over her neck and he was like okay so (laughs) hickeys those are like high school (laughs) exactly who hickeys somebody um so he he was devastated and shocked so now he's got in his mind the threesome debbie david um shop talk at work about sex mandatory meetings and he's like okay all right this is what's going on. It took him a little while, but all right. <laughs> so he was like, okay, this is definitely over. He felt like an idiot. Um, you know, how couldn't he have seen it? And how could he have ever, ever trusted her? So it took a lot. But finally, he he figured, he's just like, all right, I'm done. He was so upset that he went to work and like lost, lost it. And his boss was like, all right, you need to take a few days off of work here. Because it just absolutely devastated him. I don't know. Maybe he was willful, uh, willfully ignorant. I don't know, but or she was just that good at manipulating. She was that, just that good. So, yeah, this is um, Kathy Wood. So part one, part one. <laughs> so the next episode, I'm going to talk about more of the things that she was doing in Alpine Manor. Because again, you can see how she's just running the show there. And we're also going to introduce and talk about Gwendolyn Graham. So I'm hoping that you're gonna stick with me on this because I'm getting somewhere with it but I also think this is just a a, a story of what a monster she was well it gives or you it still it, is it
1: gives you a good insight into uh, you know the type of person that she is what what um, motivated her what she did to draw people in manipulate them use them you know
0: yeah she checks off all the boxes or most of the boxes, <laughs> if you were to look at the uh psychopathy test, she would be actually I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can uh do that on the psychopathy test and see what we come up with. <laughs> if you get forty you're screwed because that's the highest number. You're like the worst in the world. Um but usually they're around the thirties, between thirty and forty. So let so I'm gonna see if I can figure out where she is on the scale. You
1: gonna do the test for yourself?
0: I already have. <laughs> Should I be worried? A little. Okay. I'm at 36. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think uh, most of us, although you'd probably score a friggin zero, but uh, maybe a two. <laughs> I think a lot of us fit in, you know, the, the 20s because, you know, we, uh, I'll show you the test again and, okay. and you can you can understand why. Because we're human beings and we're flawed. Exactly. <laughs> and we can just be full of ourselves sometimes. Um, so, I want to, thank our new patreon supporters and this is amazing it's always amazing yay but i want to thank ellie ellie thank you allison hubner thank you allison natalie hartley thank you natalie mary alice cafiero thank you so much kayla langdon shepherd and jill masson I means i'm sorry jill Jill Manson.
1: Merci beaucoup. Yeah. I'm trilingual in thank yous. You are. Actually I can say it in Hungarian too. Say it. Kusinum.
0: There you go. But oh serious. in Polish.
1: Ginkua. Amazing. At least I think that's right.
0: But all all joking aside, this is you guys are wow, this is incredible. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're very
1: gra- very, very, very grateful.
0: Yeah. And also I want to say thank you to those of you who leave iTunes reviews. Um, they're not all necessarily the best, but whatever. I gotta take the good with the bad, and mostly my, the reviews I get are are positive. So thank you for those of you that uh, leave me reviews. <laughs> but I like the I like the good ones more. Well, no, you know what? Nature. They're they're very heartening because I think all right, you know. Um, it's just, we put a lot in into the show, so it's... Um, you care a lot. I do. And it's hard not to be a, a baby about it, but... <laughs> you're not a baby about it. Oh, I am. Because <laughs> you'll, you'll come in and I'll have this crestfallen face, and you're like, what? And I'm like, read this read this fucking review. It's hard when you play... I know. I'm an extra sensitive person, but when you play, C- Creative honestly, people, it's hard. Criticism, yeah. it's very hard. Put a lot of work into it, and then someone can just, you know, flippantly mm-hmm. say you suck
1: (laughs) I always try to find some sort of constructive criticism in in things if I can but uh, sometimes people aren't always great at wording it that way
0: you just don't say you suck well maybe to some people anyway so um, all said and done thank you uh, for the Patreon supporters and those who leave iTunes reviews thank you for everybody on the Facebook group it's the best group in the world if you're not on there haven't joined it yet please go check it out stat shocking traumas and treatments everybody's amazing there um if you are interested in patreon slide on by stat shocking traumas and treatments see some of the perks that you get and there's a lot of um extra episodes on there and also just all of you for for listening and taking the time uh means a lot and um that's it for today that's it that's a wrap it's a wrap so remember take care of yourself
1: take care of one another
0: and to most importantly, love yourself. Peace. One love. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you. Gotta watch out. Yeah, you gotta watch it back. Cause you don't want to be another episode on STAT. Thank you for tuning in. Learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable. Yeah. Subscribe. Make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show. STAT.